0: Relationship implies two or more. Two people form a relationship. What is the identity of that relationship? How do we name that relationship? Mother-child? Father-parent? Siblings? Friends? Romantic love? So spouses? partners, lovers. What occurs in relationship, however, is the capacity of hoping that oneness is present between the hearts of the two individuals or of more, if it's a family or a clan or a region. I've walked several times into renowned old mills in various countries of our world. Tibet in China, famous looms in Paris that are five or six hundred years old, at the Gobelin workshop, and several other places in our world, Dine Hogan's out in the southwestern deserts of the United States, backstrap looms in Southeastern Asia and Indonesia and in more than one occurrence I've entered a place where several people are weaving at the same time on different looms sitting quietly or chatting together and each individual is weaving with their inspiration from God from the cosmos from the patterns of memory from their grandmother or grandfather who trained them from infancy sitting beside them at the loom. And there is relationship tangible where there is oneness yet one or more people. So there is oneness yet two people. I walk into the Hogan with an old Diné or Navajo woman who speaks no English. Sit down and observe her weaving, she nods to me upon entering and encourages me to to come in and we are sitting with such respect for what she has learned all of her life, eight decades from when she first was tied to the body of her grandmother at the loom. They were weaving together. We might say they are still weaving together So in the oneness present in that thread of the woolen yarn of her rug or blanket, there is also the relationship that animal, when it was alive, had with the divine. The woolen thread left from being sheared from the sheep and then spun on a spindle and then woven into the rug or blanket which sits at my home in Austin, Texas. Every day of my life that I am in that home, I am aware of how precious it has been for me to meet that woman. It's beyond any words, beyond any thoughts. My soul and heart are reverent toward the creator through whom she and I were received into life. We, were, we received adequate mercy to embody relationship of a respectful love for the heavens, for the deities or guardian angels of her people called the Ye, the Bache. the guardians or angelic beings of my culture. And sitting together beneath the skies, in Monument Valley, many years ago, with our ancestors watching over us and those great angelic beings of the Ye Beche and the angels of my heritage, we sat in a relationship. How shall we name that relationship? We two beads or seed pods or pearls upon one thread of grace. So, when we turn toward relationship, what happens is if we can invoke gratitude for the mercy of the divine, which has rendered us present to take the next breath together, two people or more, we find that we have a purpose of embodying love in the next gesture. That's our path. Always it is. When it can be unarmored, but to be realized as grace fulfilled, we have a relationship directly with the divine, the absolute God, he, she, that great one, or the universe. And we have a relationship with that in the other person. And the other person has a relationship directly with that. And the other person has a relationship with that within us. And then there is relationship between the two of us with heaven. And that is our path. Every breath, every moment, that is always our path. When we are present in this, the purpose begins to be revealed to us. And this is what your mystics And your saints and sages of all traditions are studying. Oh, love embodied. It's always interesting. It's always benevolent. Always courageous. Always humble or modest. Always dignified. There is always the remembrance of God. I am remembering God. I am a child of God. I am a being remembering that I come from something way beyond myself, yet including myself. I am receiving the mercy which allows my life and that of the Diné woman. I am receiving the mercy that allowed me to live among her clan cousins all across the Yukon River. In Alaska, I worked with people from maybe five different uh, aspects of the Athabascan tribe, her distant cousins. So that if I spoke to an old Kuchin or Tanana Athabascan, he would be able to know words that were identical to her words or so similar that she and he would have understood one another through me, through my heart, through their hearts, through their shared language. Now, one of the important aspects of this is I don't speak Dine, I don't speak Athabaskan, and yet my heart and soul have been fully welcomed in by the people of those tribal groups. Here, child, it will be so cold tomorrow. Take this jacket with the Wolverine around the face, there will then be no no frost around your eyes. You won't derive frostbite because the wolverine doesn't frost. I didn't know that. Of course I didn't know that, the old woman would say. It's not part of your heritage. So we're at a time and place around the whole world in which we are tending to argue what is different between us, different among us, as if it were a place of not relationship rather than acculturating toward the one. I would encourage you to have your identity remember the parts of your heritage which you know and can honor or can reconcile if those parts of heritage are problematic for you or for other beings in our world. And yet one will never know all the points of sophistication, accomplishment, wisdom, nor will we know all the places of loss and sin and failure and falling. So one of the best gestures is to recapitulate or to restore or to make reparations back to God and to one's own heart and then to the heart of the other person. And in this, our two hearts and lives move toward oneness in our bowing toward heaven in respect and openness. And then we receive back the guidance of how to do this together, in relationship, yet as two individuals. And then in our hearts and souls we are one. The quality of this then becomes a great understanding of humility in caretaking, that mystical dimension within the other being as well as within ourselves. If I turn to an old woman I knew many years ago who's no longer alive. She was very cold at one point in the area in which she dwelt in the United States. <clears throat> she knew I was a person of not financial wealth, but of a modest life. But she also knew that I had the means to obtain a, a jacket for her. She was reaching an age where her body was simply too cold. And she did not have the resources to buy a new jacket, so she called me on the telephone. As soon as I answered the telephone, I asked her if she was all right. It was so rare for her to reach out. It's the only time in her life she ever asked something of me, beside a sacred request she had regarding her life and her family and another occasion, which was extremely exquisite. This moment was equally exquisite because it bespoke the love between us as human beings who both work as medicine women, let us say, or women dedicated toward the sacred or toward the healing of this in our ceremonies and prayers and daily practices from two different tribes, yet from the tribe of the human race. And so when she paused and asked, oh, Elizabeth, It is so good to hear your voice. I am so cold. I am so very cold. And once I ascertained that she wasn't in danger because she lived many hours from where I could reach her, she also said, And my sister-in-law widowed last year. She's fine. She also is very cold. And so I told her that I would make sure that they had several items right away and that I was going to reach out to someone she didn't know, a man. He will be very safe for you, like a son. He will come to you and bring you some things that I will obtain for you. Is that all right? Yes, I would like that very much. And you know, now I am warm. I, Elizabeth, Beth, am warm because we have all dressed a great soul who was cold in her body, yet one with her creator, reaching out to me so that I might take care of this mother of mine spiritually, who has never failed in her prayers for her family in all the decades I knew her while she was still on this earth. The moral example she has set for me is that any direction her soul in her incarnation would face in daily life from planting corn to driving in a truck to cooking something to dancing in ceremony with a shawl over her shoulders at Hopi, Any direction she might face is culturally somewhat different from the directions I was trained in. Our languages of cuisine, clothing, generation, we we were four generations apart in in our dates of birth. All of our directions were facing Godward toward the universe toward the one constellation of the Milky Way as a thread through our two hearts as one. No harm, only the directional intention to be toward God's mercy, to find our way in gratitude for every breath we have had. And then this moment and gratitude into the next moment And then we begin to receive purpose. Oh, cold. Well, let's see. What else do you need? How are your feet? Oh, cold. Your boots are too old? Yes. Well, let let us get you jackets and boots. And are you sure? Yes, I can do this. Yes, we can do this. Every day you will have something cross your breath that is God's need of you as creator, as he or she or that, that powerful, all-encompassing dimension that we call God. The cosmos, the universe, that aspect will be present whereas you receive it in your next breath If you allow yourself to receive it so deeply that you are grateful for what you're receiving, you'll realize that my next moment, my next out-breath, must be the embodiment of love, embodied love, into my purpose. The purpose might also be saying to someone, I'm cold, I need a jacket. And we may have a sister or brother who says, I don't have the money to help you with one, but I have two jackets. You could have one of mine. Or they might say, no, I'm not going to help you. And we realize I must be humble enough and dignified enough to turn to another brother or sister so that we receive that same silken thread on the strand of the rosary or the mala or the strand of pearls to the next pearl, or another pearl, or another bead, or another seed pod, so that we don't break the weaving of grace ever, but we allow the quality so deeply studied at the loom, in Monument Valley, or Hopi, or Bali, or in my heart, or yours, where there is one, and as the oneness is woven, we realize, oh, The pearl or the bead or the seed pod God is shaping in me is something that is remembered and present and yet has never fully been here before. Something is taking shape, sculpted by grace, because I am willing to represent the capacity of love embodied.